Morning, RK. I hope you're all right. Um, we are in a new month and we're going to start a new series. We're going to be in Acts all the way through May, um, which is going to be amazing, focusing on mission mainly. Um, today we're starting at chapter 16, verse 16 onwards, actually, if you want to um, join in. But first, I want to take a moment to pray, actually. Um, so, Father, I thank you for another opportunity to come together over your word. And I thank you that you've made your word available to us. Um, Lord, I just pray that you'll help me to get out of the way and that your words will be conveyed to whoever needs them today. And I ask you this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. So Acts is basically the beginning of how the gospel spread all the way from Jerusalem into Europe and beyond. Um, this chapter in particular, Paul and Silas and a few others are in Philippi and they, they're going about their business, spreading the gospel, going from place to place, telling people about Jesus. And in this particular chapter, they come across a slave girl who was demon possessed and the owners of this slave girl made quite a lot of money from um she would predict the future basically through this demon possession um but she was following Paul and Silas around everywhere they went and shouting behind them um these men are sent from the most high god telling you the way to be saved now, you would think that some endorsement from a local figure would be welcomed, but she was obviously causing a scene wherever they went. So, And it went on for several days. And <laughs> the Bible says that Paul became so irritated, so annoyed, that he turned around and said to the slave girl, or to the spirit in the slave girl, um, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And the spirit left. Um, now, the slave girl's owners were really angry with this because they realized that actually they've lost their income. Um, so they dragged Paul and Silas in front of the local authorities and had them flogged and thrown in jail. Um, if you want to read more about how they managed to do that, I really recommend you read the whole story because the whole the whole chapter is really good. Um, but we're going to pause a little bit before we get to the to the prison part because I want to focus on what they were doing before they were thrown in prison um, they were telling people about Jesus that was where you know the mission of the gospel started that was how how it spread from Jerusalem all the way to England where we are today um, these guys they knew they had something so important something that they couldn't keep to themselves um, so they left their own their own patch, their home comforts, everything that they were familiar with. And because that was one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, go and make disciples of all nations. Where I grew up, just north of Stockholm, um, in my little town called Uplands Vespi, um, there are loads of Viking rune stones. They look a bit like this. Uh, only about as big as me, which I know isn't very tall, but that's okay. Um, so basically, they're all over the place. They're, they're sort of old inscribed stones, which local rich or prominent figures would have raised in memory of a loved one normally. 
and there's one just a short walk from my mum and dad's house um which a a, a warrior chief had inscribed and raised and um and stuff for his mum basically but on the on the on the very end of the inscription it says god rest her soul and they're not talking about thor or odin or any of the other stuff they're talking about our god the god of the bible um and i mentioned that because the gospel had obviously traveled from from jerusalem certainly via philippi that we see in this text all the way to viking sweden a thousand years ago and today google tells me there's about 2.3 billion christians in the world and i want to ask you to do something for a second if you're a christian today however it happened for you whoever it was that told you about jesus or invited you to church imagine for a second that they never did what would your life look like today if you didn't have your faith? Now, if you're not a Christian yet and you're watching this, I can say with some confidence that most of the Christians, when they are faced with the prospect of not having their faith in God, would ugh, shudder and think, oh, no, no, thank you. Um, because when you decide to let Jesus into your heart and into your life, you encounter a peace and a hope and contentment for the first time. And that's not normally something you tend to regret. Um, I tend to think of it that before I found my faith in God, it was like I was in a blizzard. I was cold. I was wet. I was hungry, miserable. And then when I found my faith, it was as if I was invited into a warm cabin where the fire was on and the log burner. There was food on the table and a loving father took my wet and cold coat and said, come on in, sit and eat and rest. So what if nobody had told you? Now, I ask you to think about that because I believe that you are supposed to be that somebody for someone else. So in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So in other words, the workers may be few, but the harvest is plentiful. We all have the call to spread this gospel. We all have that call in our lives. Um, but we can't wait for someone else to get onto our patch and do that with our friends, our family, our co-workers. Um, we have to do that, you know. So we're all on this journey together, but you're in your patch. I'm in my patch. And we all have to work together to to make this happen. So, you know, however, you, however you're comfortable in doing it, or comfortable to a degree, I'll say, um, you know, whether you invite your friends to Alpha and offer, offer maybe to go with them if they're not quite comfortable with that. Um, share sermons or worship clips or scripture on your social media. Send them in text messages to your friends and family. Be that solid, peaceful, prayerful friend um, when, when they need one. But you can't expect to be comfortable all the time because that's not what the call is. We were called to pick up our cross and follow him. Um, 
and it can be uncomfortable. But I think that when we take a leap of faith and open our mouth, um, I know if you haven't seen it yet, Steve Parker's message about power from last week was really good because it reminded us that actually God goes with us in our evangelism, in our sharing our faith. God's there with us. We're not called to do it on our own. He gives us the power to to do all that all that we need. And I realized quite quickly in my um, in my Christian journey, uh, my first few attempts at sharing my faith were absolute train wrecks. But God showed me quite quickly that actually where I'm inadequate, he is enough. There were a few conversations I had with one friend in particular that I thought I came away from it. Oh, my goodness. Why did I say what? Why did I say that? But then I'd get a text and he'd say, no, actually, that made that made a lot of sense. So and I just think that God smiles on you taking those steps, even if it's uncomfortable, because I think um, courage is like a muscle and it grows when you use it. And courage is contagious. And it might be that you stepping out in faith is the encouragement that someone else needs to get started. Um, so, yeah, let's let's crack on, shall we? Um, I will read this next bit straight from the Bible because it's, it's quite something and I don't want to put my own spin on it. I want you to see what's going on. So bearing in mind that Paul and Silas are they've been unfairly beaten, flogged shamed and locked up in stocks in the deepest darkest pit of this prison um so this is acts chapter 16 verse 25 onwards and it says about midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening to them suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So there's a couple of things I want to highlight. The first one being that at midnight on a day when they had been like I said, unfairly flogged, beaten and jailed. They were singing and praying. And the other people, other prisoners, were listening to them. So two things, what kind of sounds are you making and what kind of sounds are you listening to? So when you go through hardships, do people what do people around you hear? Do they hear that you have hope? Do you hear that? your current destiny sorry your current situation isn't your end destination that you can have hope and joy even in the midst of trials or do they maybe hear that you are a bit cynical and irritable 
Now, I'm not advocating putting on a fake smile to please people because fake it till you make it isn't sustainable, and I get that. Um, but I am advocating um, looking into your Bible and get to know your Bible and see what the biblical precedent is and what happens when we put God first. Now, as I said to you last time I spoke on a Sunday, I realised that there are sometimes circumstances that are completely out of our control. And sometimes it's all we can do to just keep swimming, just keep our head above water. And I get that. But I do want to encourage you to praise the Lord through those trials, to keep your eye firmly fixed on him, on Jesus as your saviour. Um, because God is still good. God is still worthy of our praise. And it will, if you're a Christian, be okay in the end. Um, we also have to be really mindful of what noises we let into our lives as well. And if you find yourself surrounded by negativity, what do you do? Where do you go to drown out those voices that do nothing but pour into that darkness? Um I would say go to the Bible first, because um, that's where you find truth and life. And in Ephesians chapter six, where it talks about the armor of God, I'm going to read it actually, because it's good to read the Bible. So Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 onwards, says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in all his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, of all of the bits of armour mentioned there, um, the word of God Hang on, sorry. The word of God says it's the sword of the spirit. And that's the only bit of offensive kit in there. So that tells me that actually when you come up against lies, you fight them with truth. But to do that, you have to know your Bible. You have to spend time in your Bible. And I don't say have to like it's a chore. I say have to like you prepare yourself and you ready yourself and you protect yourself and you calm yourself and you comfort yourself with God's word. Um, so, yeah, so we have to get to know what those truths are. So when you hear people making noises like it's not worth it, there's no point, you won't make it, you're not trying hard enough, you're not good enough. That's when it's good to know what the Bible says, what it says about who God is and what he thinks of you and what he wants to accomplish through you. But I want to talk about not just biblical truths here, but because I'm, I'm thinking a bit wider than that. But I think we've also got a job to do when it comes to setting the culture that we live in. And um, we get to have a say 
in the climate that we live in. You get to choose to be the person who stands up to a bully. You get to choose to be the person that focuses really hard on encouraging other people around you. You get to choose to be the person that uh, normalizes offering prayer to your friends. You get to choose to be the person to say no to the racist jokes, to the jokes on someone else's expense. You get to say no to the unkind stuff, the dishonest stuff, the needlessly judgmental and negative stuff. So let's choose wisely and let's make that choice. But come at it from a place of power, because actually we have been given power um, through God's Holy Spirit to live a holy life, like Steve said last last week. Um, so, yeah, um, let's make sure that we fight against those voices of negativity because we are not completely powerless here. Now, I want to talk a bit about the power of worship. So when Karen Northend managed to get me to come along to church for the first time in November 2012, I encountered church music for the first time. Now, before I went, I had an image of church music just being really old fashioned and boring and not very exciting. And but I was really wrong. And the first time that the Holy Spirit awakened something in me was um, through worship, through church music. Um, and I know I've shared this with some of you before, but my one of my first memories of that that early time in church was when we were singing a song called Mighty to Save. And the words were, everyone needs compassion, the kindness of a saviour, and take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. And it was as if I got to hear for the very first time that I didn't have to get my act together in order to be saved. Jesus loves me exactly as I am. And that was the relief I needed because I didn't have it in me to be better, but I didn't need to be. I understood that and that at that point because I didn't need to be because Jesus was enough what he had done was enough who he is is enough and so hearing about his resurrection gave me hope for my own you know and that was the the start of of my own journey with Jesus and I do shudder to think what what my life would be like without him I honestly I don't think I could manage a normal average Tuesday let alone something remotely difficult and another time God did um a work in me through worship music was a couple of years ago and I'd started coming to RK at this point and I was just having one of those days I was you know I was looking around at people around me looking squeaky clean and happy to be in each other's company and I I don't know I was busy telling myself that I didn't fit in basically I felt like I don't know. It was just weird. I'm sure we all do it to a degree or many of us do anyway. I was just telling myself that I didn't fit in here. And through the worship music that morning um, in church, we were singing a song. We'd sang it a million times before. But the chorus goes, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And even though I'd heard that loads of times before, that day it broke something off in me it was as if the holy spirit took a stick that i'd been using to poke myself in the eye with for no good reason whatsoever and i realized that actually i do fit i do fit in not on my merit but on his and there is a place for me at rk or in god's kingdom and the same goes for 
anyone who might want to, ha you know, find a place to call home. Um, so, I mean, full disclosure here, I'm just a normal person. I've not been to Bible college. I've not got a theology, a theology degree. I can barely say the word. Um, but I know that the Holy Spirit does a work in us when we worship in spirit and in truth in response to what God's done to us, done for us, rather. I think when we sing our praises to God, it releases us from being the centre of our, our own universe. And it makes us see that actually we were never meant to be in that situation. We were never meant to be the point. We're, we're not able to carry the weight of that point. We weren't built like Atlas, who has the weight of the world on his, on his shoulders. So actually, when we put God in that place instead, we realise that we can, we can just rest. We can put our guards down. And when we put him above us, that's when we can rest in his shadow, safe in the knowledge that he's got us. Um, the Bible talks about the Lord inhabiting the praises of his people. I think it's in Psalm 22. I just know there's something to it. I think um, we see it in this passage in Acts as well. You know, prison walls come tumbling down and chains break. And I think as well that this might sound a bit silly. Bear with me. I think that there are um, ways in our culture, in our modern world today, that we can see that worship is like it's it's a it's an ingrained in inbuilt response that we are designed for all you have to do is think about any football match pick your team whichever whatever your poison um and something so fleeting like the ball hitting the back of the net and what's the response of all the people they stand up hands in the air cheering and chanting and going mad for something so fleeting now imagine um imagine ha then how much more fitting our response is to what jesus has done for us through singing you know through uh, through us singing his praises basically there's something to that so now you might think um you might look at this chapter in Acts and think, OK, well, that was 2000 years ago. What about now? What does God do right now? Um, so I'm going to tell you about my May Red. Um, she suffered greatly with anxiety and intrusive thoughts and OCD. Um, there was always like this massive mess of noise inside her head. She explained it once like, if you imagine having YouTube blaring on the phone on the table in front of you, the radio was on the shelf and the telly's on in the other room and you've got three people talking to you all at once. Um, that was a bit what it was like in her head. Um, and sadly, that meant that a lot of music was no good to her um, because the lyrics weren't able to cut through all that noise in her head. Now, I had no idea that uh, that uh, Red suffered with this stuff at the time because uh, I didn't know her very well yet. Um, but Karen Northend worked her magic on Red as well and invited her to church. And following that, we invited her to a worship gig as well. And I know she'd only been to church a couple of times at this point. So I thought I'd send her the set list of the songs that we were going to sing that night um, so that she'd have a, a chance to recognise them. And so... Bearing in mind, she wasn't a Christian yet at this point. She went on um, 
a walk with the playlist in her headphones. Um, even though, th- you know, the lyrics weren't really, you know, she didn't expect the lyrics to come through in her mind, but she thought actually having music in her headphones, at least it cuts out the noise of the traffic. Um, and what she found was that all of a sudden she was singing along to one of the songs and it completely stumped her because she hadn't learned any any new lyrics to any songs for, for years. Um, but all of a sudden the noise wasn't there and she was able to hear for the first time that God is a, a way maker, a wor- miracle worker, a promise keeper and a light in the darkness. Um, and that was the first time that God broke through. God broke through in her mind and she was able to hear these things. And bearing in mind that she tried um, over the years to silence all this noise with, you know, medication, counselling, therapy and all the rest of it, but nothing had worked. But this time, that was the f- that, that was the very start of her being transformed by the renewing of her mind. And if you ask her today, a year and a bit down the line, she would tell you herself that God has healed her. Um, and she's one of a fair few people that have found their faith during lockdown. And again, imagine if nobody had told them. So a few things that this passage tells me is that we've got a job to do. Telling people about the hope that we have in Jesus is called placed on all of us. And though we won't always be comfortable, um, God goes with us. And when we place our trust in him, prison walls start to come tumbling down and chains break. So I know we're all really quite good at saying that we're all too busy and stuff, but I'm pretty sure that you will have 10 minutes, some t- sometime today to spend with Jesus.